0: It is so good to see you guys. Happy, happy new year. What a great year it was last year. And if last year wasn't a great year for you, I'm praying that this year is a better year for you. All right, I really am. Um, A number of years ago, when I was pastoring my first church, it was a, a small church in the beginning, and so I had to work two jobs. I was working at the church, and I was also working in an advertising agency, and I got promoted into management. And so I was hiring all kinds of people to advertise, uh, to do advertising. I'll never forget it one day, I was summoned up to the office with a window view to one of the higher-ups, and he called me into his office and says, Roger, congratulations on your promotion. And I want you to look out this window for just a moment with me. I looked out the window, and it was a construction site where they were taking up trees, and they were chopping trees down, and they were putting them into a glorified mulcher, making sawdust out of the trees. And he said, Roger, I want you to see that. That's your job. And my head kind of tilted, and I thought, what do you mean that's my job? He said, your job is to get people into the positions of this company, chew them up, make sawdust out of them, Get rid of them and get new trees in here and repeat, repeat, repeat. If you think I just made that story up, you're wrong. That is a true story that actually happened to me. And as I stood there as a man, I did not know even what to say. I didn't know if I should walk out the door that moment, if I should say, what kind of creep are you? If I don't know what I should have done, but what I can say this is, his view of people and my view of people were entirely different views. And that day, I quit. Now, did I quit on that moment? No. But on that day, in my mind, I was done. And two weeks later, I was gone. That may be an extreme, but I want to ask you a question. How do you see people? How do you really see people? And I'm going to give you a few, a few uh, ways we do it right now. I have done it. You've done it. We've all done it. And let's be real about it. We've all done all of these at some point in time. And some weeks I'm better than others at doing the better ones. But how do we see people? The f- five common ways. Number one, we see people as people. They're people people. And so we value them. They matter to us. They're our inner circle. We know their names. We know their children's names. We know their wives' names. They're people. We love them. We invite them over for the Super Bowl. We invite them over for Christmas. We spend Thanksgiving with them. They're people people. We do bike rides with them. We love these people. They're people people. The second way that we can see people is, we see people as machine people. We need their service. They serve us. They process a claim. They tell us that we're the next one in line. And they keep the machine working. We may know their name. We may not know their name. But knowing their name may be all that we know about them. We know about him, perhaps, that he is a good mechanic. He changes your oil really good. But that's all we know about him. This is the person at the Walmart checkout line. Beep. 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 And we see her as slow... We see her as stupid, we see him as a machine who is diabolically trying to melt my ice cream in my cart. (laughs) Yes, I have been there. Beep, they're machines. Then there are landscape people, and this is kind of an anomaly here. We really don't see landscape people. Landscape people are the people that are just in the background. Let me give you an example. This is the security guard at the bank. He makes $9 an hour. You don't even recognize him. You don't even nod your head at him. But you expect if things go wrong, he is going to lay down his life and save your sorry life for $9 an hour. In the landscape. You're just kind of hidden there. And then, this is one of my temptations sometimes, we see people as obstacle people. Let me give you an example. You're on 664. Now, I'm going to just tell a story that it may or may not be true. (laughs) You're on 664, and you know who they are. They pull into the left lane. Virginia, what is it about you that you got to be in the left lane? going 50 miles per hour when it says 65. You're in my, well, you're in somebody's way. (laughs) Get out of my way. You're my, (laughs) yes. (laughs) And these are obstacle people. When we were starting Exalt Church about a year ago, Laura and I were, were doing all kinds of shopping. We were buying books for the children's ministry, we were buying stuff, and we were in every store. If you know me, I don't like to shop, I, I don't enjoy it, it's not fun to me, and Laura had me go to some store that shall remain anonymous for now, and I got in there, and they had these very small aisles just crammed with all kinds of stuff and they had these oversized shopping carts, and I mean, I am just a little of a stress case that day, and I'm thinking, okay, let me let me navigate, and here was this person, and bless their hearts, you can say that in the south, and say whatever you want to about them afterwards, bless their hearts, you know, it's pushing this shopping cart so slow, and I just felt my blood boiling and I got out of that in, uh, aisle and got into another aisle and I want to say I was very pastoral and I want to say oh let me invite this lady to exalt church no I want to say get out of my way lady I got a church to start you ever been there I'm being off thing I'm being real obstacle people get out of my way you got to be thinned out and then there are label people we all do this This is when instead of choosing to spend time with someone and hear the story, before we do that, we label them. It's easier for me to label you than to take the time to get to know you. It's easy for me to say, this is who you are, because if I can label you, then I can dehumanize you. And when I dehumanize you, then I can ignore you. And when I ignore you, then I can write you off. And then when I write you off, you do not exist. He is, insert label here. She is, insert label here. He is a cowboy fan, bless his heart. (laughs) I'm wearing my bulletproof vest today. I can go there. All right. And here's our tendency. Our tendency is we tend to dehumanize people. Put a name on them. Because if I can label you, I don't have to deal with the fact that your heart beats. If I label you, I don't have to treat you kindly because you're it and not him. You're it and not her. You're that but not a living person. A machine, landscape, an obstacle, a label. Now, I know what you were expecting today. You were expecting a sermon to come in here today like most pastors today, and they're going to preach a message on a new you for a new year. They're doing that down the street, all right? I figure you're already obsessed about yourself enough. Let's talk about other people today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Happy New Year from Pastor Roger. <laughs> so sorry, that tickled me. So, so how does that's all folks, come back next week. So let's talk about Jesus for a moment. How does Jesus see people? There's a story in the book of John about a woman who comes to a well, and Jesus encounters this woman at the well. And I want to look at that story for just a moment, and I want you to show that how we see people may be completely different than how Jesus sees people. In John chapter 5 and verse 6, we see these words, Jesus was sitting by the well, it was the sixth hour, about noon, it was hot. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. It's the part of the hottest part of the day. Most women in that culture would go get water from the well. They would go early morning or in the evening when it was cooler. But this woman is in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. Why is she there in the heat of the day? Here's the answer. She did not want to be seen. If I go in the heat of the day, nobody else will be there. No one will encounter me. I don't have to talk to anybody. I can get in and get out. But she was surprised to find that Jesus was there. And Jesus saw her. And how did Jesus see her? Number one, if you're taking notes, you can grab it in your outline and follow along with me. Number one, Jesus saw this woman despite the problem of her race. Jesus looks beyond race. Do we? This is what the Bible says in verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And then she says to Jesus in verse 9, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me for a drink For I am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. In fact, growing up, if you grew up in church or if you ever attended a Sunday school as a little child, you may have heard the story of the good Samaritan. When Jesus told that story, he blew everybody's mind because the Jews thought that Samaritans were the evil guys, the bad guys, and Jesus made the bad guy the hero in the story. Jesus always turned the world upside down. Jesus was always countercultural. Jesus always brought you in and gave you that uppercut that resets your mind and says, wow, I never looked at it like that before. And so Jesus has a conversation with this woman that nobody else wanted to talk to, and she says, well, hey, hey, Jewish man, why are you talking to me? I am a Samaritan. Why would you talk to me? And most of us aren't biblical scholars, so let me give you some background of who the Samaritan was. The Samaritan was half Jew, and she was half Gentile. In 1722, Israel, the northern part of the kingdom, was conquered by a country called the Assyrians. Don't check me out. I'm not going to go along with it. But came and took all of these Jewish people out of the northern part of the nation, took them into Assyria, and as they often did, they began to take these women as brides and married them. And so now years later, you have these half-Jew, half-Gentile people. And in the time of Jesus, when Jesus was upon the earth, the Samaritans were hated as being this mixed race more than a full-blown Gentile. Why? They thought that these people, catch the phrase, these people have polluted our bloodline. And because you have polluted the bloodline, you're worse than a a Gentile. You're half Jew, you're half Gentile, and you are just half and you don't stack up. Here's Jesus at a well. Having a conversation with this person that every other Jew would have hated. Brings to point number two. Jesus saw her despite the problem of her religion. you got to catch this. Verse 20. She says to Jesus, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to to worship. Not only is she half Jew and half Gentile, but her religious views are mixed. The Samaritans had this worship of the true God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Yehua, however you want to pronounce his name there. We get it wrong because there were no vowels in the original Hebrew. So our best guess is Yahweh or Yehua or Jehovah. We don't know his name, so we call him the Lord. And so they, some of them worshiped the true God, but they also mixed in with it this pagan idolatry. And the Samaritans had their own temple. They did not go down to Jerusalem worship because they had their own temple dedicated to the Lord. And there was this debate, where do we build a temple? Do we build it on Mount Gerizim, or do we build it in Jerusalem? Where is the right place to worship? You know, this is the right place, isn't it? This is, this is Mount Gerizim, but you're saying we ought to worship in Jerusalem. And there's this whole debate. Because Gerizim was the place that Abraham first built an altar. So surely this is the place we should have a temple and deuteronomy it says on this place you'll build my temple and so samaritan says well this place means right here on mount gerizim it doesn't mean down there and the samaritan bible has a difference in the jewish bible and all of this debate so where do we worship at and isn't it amazing when people start having a talk with god and god starts dealing with them Isn't it amazing how all of us love to try to change the subject to something that is very insignificant? Let me give you an example. Jesus Christ died upon the cross as a substitute for your sins. He is the only way to God. He is the only truth. He is the only way to life everlasting. And what's the response? Oh, yeah, but how did that dude get all those animals on that boat? See what I mean? Here she is sitting with God, God talking to her saying, I have the waters of life that can change your life. And she's saying, well, where should we worship at, First Baptist or St. Francis's? Jesus had a conversation with her. Instead of writing her off as a heretic and saying, you're a heretic, I don't want to have anything to do with you, you are an obstacle, you are a a doubter, and you are an evil sinner, Jesus is engaging with her. Can I get very blunt for just a moment, America 2019? How many of us actually see a Muslim as a person? Or do we see them as all terrorists? don't shut me down. Do we see them as a person? Do we see them as a person? Jesus saw this woman, this Samaritan, as a person bound by Satan that needed the life of God to come in and set her free and change her life forever. And if I'm not careful, I will buy into a counter story where I begin to see people as enemies and not as people that need the gospel. You got quiet on me. Man, I need to dig down a little further there. How do you see people? Do we label them all? Or do we see that person as someone who Jesus Christ loved, that he died for? And the very uneasiness that you and I have, and I feel it because I thank, yes, thank God for our military that protects us from people who've invaded us. And I, I feel that tension. Jesus and his people would have had the same thing. You guys are enemies of ours. Why would I have a conversation with you? Because Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And because Jesus refuses to dehumanize people, but he sees them as people that he came and gave his life for. Wow. Let's go a little deeper here. So Jesus saw her despite her race. Jesus saw her despite her religion. Let me ask you a question. When you see someone come to your door and knocks on your door, they try to give you one of those pamphlets. Are you really mean to them or are you kind and respectful to them at least? Say thank you but no thank you. How do you see people? How do you treat people? Number three, Jesus saw her despite the problem of her gender. Look at verse 27. Just then the disciples came back, Jesus is talking to her, and they marveled. They're like, wow, say it backwards, wow, he's talking to a woman. Oh, no. But no one asks, "What do you seek?" or "Why are you talking with her?" Isn't it People don't change. I mean, we like to gossip. Well, why is he doing that? Why did the pastor do that? Why did my wife do that? I don't know why she did that. That's just the way they do it in the brown household. I don't know. <laughs> why, why, why is he talking to her? So Jesus has, has turned the world upside down and he says, I refuse to be bound by the barriers of race. I refuse to be bound by the barriers of religion. And I refuse to be bound by the barriers, whether you're a man or a woman, I am coming for you. I am coming for you. I have you in my target. I'm coming after you. And what's significant about this is because the culture will lie to you and say that religion or rather, pause, pause. They will lie to you and say, Christianity devalues women. Go back and read the Bible. Jesus constantly elevated women. The Apostle Paul elevated women. Let me give you one example. In the time of Jesus Christ's resurrection... At that time, they said that women were all liars and could not be trusted. Who is the account in your Bible that tells you of the resurrection? It was women who were first there. And Christians said, let's give credit where credit is due. God used a woman to tell the world that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. Maybe I should have preached a new you for a new year. I don't know. They marveled. He's talking to a woman. Because at that time, the rabbis taught that women are irrational. Don't amen me, Jamie. Don't do it. (laughs) Untrustworthy. Don't do it, Jason. Don't do it. The rabbis saw them as irrational. In fact, here was the prayer of one of the strictest rabbi Pharisees. Quote, pray this every morning. Thank you, God. That I am not a Gentile, but I am a Jew. Thank you that I'm not a slave, but I am free. Not a woman, but a man. That was a true prayer of a Pharisee. And what does the countercultural gospel do? Paul takes the prayer, and he turns it upside down, and he says this, There is no Jew, there is no bond, there is no free, there is no Gentile, there is no male, there is no female. You're all saved the same way through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And so Jesus elevated women. The gospel elevates women. Jesus talked to the woman, and they were marveling, saying, why is he talking to her? I don't know why he's talking to her. Why is she here at noon? What is she doing here? Do you know he's a Samaritan? Do you know she's a woman? Do you know who she worships? Do you know she's all messed up? Jesus is saying, bring me a cup of water. Bring me a cup of water. I often tell you, and I mean it seriously, I'm constantly at Panera. I'm constantly at restaurants. My bride, Laura, is constantly talking to people. Don't assume that every single person that we talk to knows the Lord Jesus Christ. I have spent a life cultivating friends of people that don't know Jesus Christ. And we have wonderful conversations about the Lord. But if you walk up to our conversation and you start going on some kind of Christianity babble, they may look at you like you have a third head. Be aware that have conversations. Hopefully you're meeting people that don't know where he's at. And you can bring the light and the salt and the life of God into their lives. And hopefully once in a while, guys, you'll get a good guy friend. Don't go get a good girlfriend, guys. Get a good guy friend. Because that's what you'll do. I'll say that. Well, the pastor said I could go out with her from work because, you know, I could witness to her. You're a liar. You think she's hot. (laughs) And you know it. God knows it. And your wife knows it. And you're going to be in trouble. Wow. Wow. See, Laura's in children's ministry, and I'm off the reservation today. I'm telling you. I don't know. Good thing my father-in-law, mother-in-law in in the front row keep me in line here. Please, pull pull the chain, Mom. Pull it. Where am I at? I've messed myself up here. And so Jesus is meeting with the woman in spite of her race. Despite her religion. Despite her gender. Why? Jesus saw her. Jesus saw the person. Did he agree with everything she was doing? No, he brought truth to her. He brought grace and truth. He brought it to her. Number four, let's go there. Jesus saw her despite the problem of her sin. Jesus asked her a question. Hey, where's your husband at? She says, I have no husband. and I love Jesus because he he gives grace and he gives truth. Sometimes the best thing a friend can tell you is is that you have something on your teeth or your breath stinks. A good friend will tell you the truth with grace. Sometimes the most kind thing you can do is tell someone they don't want to hear. Sometimes the most gracious thing you can do is say, that's going to destroy your life if you keep doing it. Sometimes the gracious thing you can do is stop. Don't go in the street. There's a truck coming. Sometimes the most gracious thing you can do is say, Hey, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you know is not your husband. Why is she at the well at noon? Because she doesn't want to be seen because of her shame. And she knows if she goes during the day, the other women are going to run her off because you're the man stealer. You're going to take my man. She was known by all to be a sinner, and she's heard the people whispering. She's heard the words. She's heard the names. I'm going to go during the day so no one sees me. I've been married five times and now I'm living with a guy. In the time of Jesus, there was a conservative band of teacher rabbis and there was a liberal band of conservative rabbis. Sound familiar? Times really don't change. When, that's why the Bible is so real. You read it and you say, wow, that's right where I'm at today. It speaks today because it's the living word of God but, but the liberal wing of the rabbis in the first century taught that a man could divorce a woman for any reason too much salt in the stew I'm divorcing you you didn't put your seat belt on I'm divorcing you you like cats more than dogs you're out of here you root for the redskins you're really out of here equal opportunity offender here, guys. <laughs> so, consequency, consequentially, she was divorced five times and she was despised by everyone. Catch this. Men have used her over and over and over Again, there was some argument whether a woman had a right to divorce in that culture or not. It seems like they had a very limited, if any, right, so men typically divorced her. But now catch this. No longer does a man need to marry her to have her. Because now she has lost so much self-respect that now a man says, You know what? You've been passed from man to man to man. I won't marry you, but I'll shack up with you. Here's Jesus talking to this woman. What an odd time. There is a verse of Scripture. It's not in your notes, but write it down and go back and read it later. Luke chapter 7, verse 39 and 44. Go back home and read it later today. There's a story where this woman comes to see Jesus, and she was a prostitute, and she comes... And she takes oil and she cleans and anoints Jesus' feet. And then after she washes his dirty feet and, and kisses his dirty feet, and she takes her hair and she dries his feet with her hair. And this act of worship preparing him for his crucifixion. And, and here she is. And there's this telling verse that all of the all of the religious guys are sitting around, they're saying, If he was really a prophet, he would know who was touching him. If he was really God's son, he would know what kind of lady this is. And Jesus turns to the man named Simon and he says these words. I love it. Write it down. He said to the religious man, do you see? this woman do you see her or do we see an obstacle or do we see a label or do we see a machine do we see the person With her hair, she wiped his feet. I want you to take something home today. And how do you apply this? Well, I hope it rebukes you like it rebukes me. Because every day of my life, I have to struggle with how I see people. I do. You do too. To the woman... The unbeliever, here is what Jesus said to her in verse 25. He says, look at me. I'll give you living water that will satisfy you forever. So if today if you're here and you are not a Christ follower and maybe you're just beginning to investigate Christ again, it's a new year and you thought maybe I'll check out church again and maybe it's a good thing because I put it on my to-do list, work out at the gym and go to church and become a better person, if that's where you're at today or maybe you're here and you've been coming for a while because your your wife has you come and you come and maybe you like the music and you like the motivational talk and you know your kids enjoy what we're doing out there and maybe, I don't know, you like the way the guy's dress in the parking lot, I don't know, but maybe you're here for some reason Jesus says to you, see me. See me for who I am, not for who they say that I am. Jesus never claimed to be a good prophet. He never claimed to be just another preacher. He came and said, I am the way to God. I am the very truth and I am the life. He claimed to be God so many times that the people around him wanted to kill him because they thought he was blasphemous. So Jesus today is one of three things. When he claims to be God, when he claims to be the Messiah, when he claims to be the answer for the world, he's one of three things. Either he's a liar and he lied, or he is off his rocker and one taco short of a combination dinner. He's a lunatic. He's crazy. He's crazy or he is the Lord who he says he is. And we can't play it and say, well, he's a good guy. No, good guys don't lie. Oh, he's a good guy. Listen, he, we can say he's crazy. That's acceptable. Call him crazy. Or call him a liar. Fine. But if he's not liar and if he's not crazy then he must be who he says he is and he says i am the hope of your life i've come to give my life that you might have life abundantly and so you got to take off the glasses you got to see the 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 the, um the rose-colored glasses you got to see him clearly that he is the messiah he is the savior he is the one that's come to give you life and life everlasting don't just stop and call him a prophet he says, lady, I am the one that gives you water that satisfies your soul. You'll drink from this well and get thirsty again. But what I give you, you'll never thirst again. We've got to see him clearly. And for some of you, that is challenging because some of your backgrounds, you were taught something different. And so it, it creates this discombobulation of, of who he is. But you've got to see him. He says, see me. I hope every time you see that commercial about skincare, where it says, See me. I hope you think about Jesus this week. See me. Oh, yeah, Jesus. I see (laughs) you. See me. And when I say that Jesus Christ is the only way, when I say that Jesus Christ is the only way to God, He's the only answer for our sin. He's the only answer for our brokenness. I know how that sounds. I want to step delicately here for a moment if I can. I know how it sounds. I sound like I am judgmental, and I'm closed-minded, and I'm mean, and I haven't thought it through. went to the doctor, and you had a disease that was killing you, and the doctor says to you, I have the one answer to fix your disease, would you look at the physician and say, you're a closed-minded bigot, you are arrogant and rude, how dare you try to get me well? You wouldn't do it. You would say, doctor, I will sell everything I have. I'll sell the RV. I'll sell the house. I'll sell the second house. I'll cash in the CDs. I'll take a loan. I'll get a credit card. I will buy that drug if it heals me. And so when I say that Jesus Christ is the only way, I'm not looking at you as being arrogant and being hateful. I'm looking at you as a person saying, I love you, And I want you to experience the life of God. And He's given the answer in His Son. Don't walk out of my waiting room, my office, without receiving Him. He is the only hope. And we all have questions of why this happened and why that happened. And some things in my life I've had to put in that category of, I don't know, I'll ask Him in the next age to come. Because sometimes I'm like that bear that gets my foot stuck in, a, in a, 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 a trap. And I'm in pain because of the trap. And if some guy comes up to me and says, oh, little cute little cuddly teddy bear, I'm going to open up the trap and let you go free. I'm going to bite you. Because you have a brain that I don't have and you understand something that I don't understand that's how it's with God sometimes sometimes we're in this source of pain and when this source of dysfunction and it hurts and it aches and you hear someone like me say Jesus loves you or someone at work who's flawed and not perfect and you look at their lives and you think they're a little bit hypocritical but yet they got it right Jesus loves you and you don't know how to to put that together sometimes and you're like that bear saying I don't understand that you're coming to help me. I thought you were coming to hurt me. All I know is I'm in pain. You don't understand it. But in your pain, in the captivity, in that moment, Jesus comes as a sea me, You don't understand what I'm doing. You don't know how I use circumstances to bring you to me. Have you ever had something bad happen in your life and you thought, where was God? Where's God out? Listen, I don't think it's bad things that happen to us that help our faith grow or cause our faith uh To plummet, I think it's our perception of circumstances that cause our faith to grow or our faith to plummet. Do you look at him and see him as good? Do you look at him and see him as one that is pursuing you, that loves you? Or do you see him as an enemy? Do you see him as as some bigoted rabbi Jew who's coming to impose his plan on you? Or do you see him as one saying, you're drowning, grab a hold, I want to help you, I want to save you, I want to reach you, I'm here for you. Last week we talked about the leper being stoned by the rabbis and the risk they took to come to Jesus. Some of you have taken a great risk to come into this place today because you don't know what's going to happen in church. Are they going to love me? Are they going to accept me? Are are they going to be mean to me? When is the the foot, the the shoe going to drop and they're going to turn on me? Listen, we love you. And we love you just as you are, but we also love you enough to tell you the truth. And sometimes that will challenge you and that will push you and that will pressure you. Sometimes you may feel that pressure and that may happen, but it's like the father who says, listen, son, you can't go in there. You're going to drown. I know the ocean is beautiful, but I am here to guard you and protect you. And I would be a derelict of my duties if I let you at two years old walk into that ocean and swim as far as you want to. But never doubt the heart of the Father. Never doubt the heart of the Savior who says, I love you. I will come and sit by a well in the heat of day and wait for the most scandalous person to come. And finally, I'm getting all the flashlights everywhere to wound it down. I'm aware of the time, guys. Thank you for that. To the believer, I say this See Jesus. Please see Jesus. Please please see him who he is as well. That you don't save yourself, that you don't rescue yourself, that your works don't make you better, that your works don't get you into heaven, that Jesus Christ paid the price for you. But then do me one more thing. Take it home. Start seeing people. John wraps up the chapter that we numbered, chapter 4. And he wraps up and says, Do not say, there are four months, then comes the harvest. He says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the valuable harvest. See the valuable fields. See the valuable waves of grain. They are ready to be brought in. See how valuable this is. See how beautiful this is. See this as a blessing that it is. a Kansas kid raised a Kansas kid and I could drive into western Kansas and see those amber waves of grain and know the combines are coming and you know it was time and they were beautiful just like the waves of the ocean it's out there in the wind and it was beautiful and what did it mean? It meant money for the farmer it meant food on the table for families it meant food for the world that's what it meant and Jesus says open your eyes and look at these people They're valuable, so valuable that I bankrupt heaven to come and give my life. See them. See them. The fields are white for harvest. Amen. Stand with me, if you will, as the band comes. Are you glad you came today? Are you kind of glad you came today? Are you glad you get some truth here today? Yes. Amen. At the information table, we got information out there about who is Jesus. We got a booklet out there about a purpose-filled life you can grab. We have a Bible out there. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you the newest part of the Bible for free. It's called the New Testament. We'll give that to you for free. It's on the information table. You can go by and grab those resources and no one's going to grab you and force you to have a conversation. You can be anonymous and grab those and walk out or you can have a conversation. I would love to talk with you today. If you want to know Jesus Christ as the way, truth, and life. If you have questions, I would love to talk with you. I'm going to have my father-in-law, Bob Brown, come stand down front and just wave at you for a moment. Bob, I'm putting you on the spot, Dad. My father-in-law here would be glad to talk with you. Wave your hands so they can see your face, Dad. Tommy Siegel, come right over here. I want you to see Tommy Siegel's face here. I want you to see the face. They'd be glad to talk with you. Where do I have a lady at? My mother-in-law, come right over here. Jeannie, right there. Come on up here. Would love to talk with you. Terry, you're busy doing the offering there, aren't you? Are you busy doing the offering? You got a delegated? Come on up here, my friend. We'd love to talk with you. We're not going to make you walk down that aisle and come talk right now but I want you to see people's faces today because some of you may want to talk. You may want prayer. You may want to talk about what I just shared. We want to make that available to you as well. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for dying upon the cross in my place. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for seeing us. Thank you for revealing yourself to us and opening our eyes to see you. And that's my prayer. Open every eye in this place to first of all see you. And then open every eye in this place for us to start seeing people. Lord, forgive me for the struggle I have with seeing people on the interstate as obstacles. I Cannot change that. You've got to change that in me. Open our eyes, Lord, to see in this new year. Or to see the hurting. Or to see the broken. Let's see the people that others don't see. And use us, Lord, to be a blessing to this world, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As the ushers come, will you do me a favor? Two things. If you take a moment, if it's your first time with us, please don't give anything in the offering today. We want the message, the music to be our gift to you. If it is your first time with us, however, will you take a moment, just real quick, and just write down your name, your email, and your phone? and drop in the offering. We want to connect with you and, and let you know how glad we were to have you here today. If you want to talk with someone as the band plays and wraps up, they're going to kind of mingle here for just a little while. They're going to mingle just a little bit. If you want to come talk and if you want to talk about Jesus or if you just want prayer, you can also be prayed with today, okay? You can do that. And, and they'll pull you to the side once the band stops to be able to talk with you, okay? God bless you. Have a great new year. I hope to see you next week as well. God bless you guys. Amen. Thank you so much.